welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. If you're new here, hi, I'm Kelsey, and I am the founder of Visionary Life. In this community, we chat about peak health, inspired living, and all things entrepreneurship. Every day, I strive to live out my own most visionary life while guiding others to do the same. So at this point, you may be wondering what a visionary is. As a visionary, you likely live a life a little bit differently or are ready to make some shifts in your life that will lead you to your dreams. Visionaries are creative, driven, and energetic, and we're living a life full of want-tos and not Welcome back. I'm really excited to share this week's interview with all of you. A few weeks ago, I had the chance to sit down with Ashley Meston and Phil LeBeau, the founders of Based Body Care. So yes, two incredible guests on this week's show. Based Body Care is a line of organic, plant-based, cruelty-free products. And to summarize even further, it's no BS body care that actually works. Ashley and Phil's vision behind BASED was to be transparent, to use only ingredients they were proud of, and to create a brand that celebrates and nourishes all bodies. One of the reasons I wanted to sit down and chat with Ashley and Phil was because I have worked with both of them in our past lives, I guess you would say. We actually all held positions at Vega at the same time. As part of the Vega team, I deeply admired the leadership from both Ashley and Phil on a daily basis. I saw them pushing the boundaries of what we could accomplish, not only as a department, but as a company. And I knew that they were, in fact, visionary leaders who would do impactful work no matter where or what company they were part of or where they were at in their lives. Knowing how much insight they would have in the realms of sales and marketing, entrepreneurship, and living in an inspired state every day, I knew that you would all love listening to this podcast episode as much as I loved recording it for you. And if you're new to my podcast, I just want to make sure that you know one thing. So when I launched this podcast, I envisioned the conversations being, well, just that conversations, not interviews. And a big piece of that puzzle was being able to converse face to face rather than over Skype. So I record every single episode of Visionary Life in person. That means I get to have people over to my place or I get to go over to theirs and hang out with them. And I just want to say it's such a cool experience to welcome someone into your home and have a really real conversation over a glass of wine or coffee, no cell phones on, nothing else to stimulate us, just conversation. So I really hope you enjoy this differentiating factor. It's an incredible experience and I hope that it translates into a better listening experience for you ultimately. Okay, so back to today's interview. In this episode, we chat about why education is so imperative in marketing and sharing your business, assuming you know nothing as your key to success, rituals and tools that help Ashley and Phil perform as high-level entrepreneurs, what they love most about being CEOs of their own life and business, the best beauty app that everyone should download immediately, the importance of post-secondary education in today's self-taught era, 
what experiences you really need to launch your own business, and we chat about the early stages of developing based and how it's evolved and where it's at today, and so, so much more. I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode. I really loved recording it and listening back as I edited it, so enjoy. Be sure to connect with Based online. They're at www.basedbodycare.ca. Ash and Phil, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm really looking forward to chatting all things plant-based body care, growing a natural health business, and navigating the world of entrepreneurship in a world with information overload, essentially. So thank you for having me in your home. Oh, thanks for coming. It's really awesome to be here. And I love that through this podcast, I get to reconnect with old colleagues and um, come into your space and and just get a good 45 minutes where we're not on our phones and we just get to have great connections. So I'd like to start the podcast recently with kind of rapid fire questions, just so our listeners can get to know you. So we'll keep the answers quick, just spit out whatever the first thing (laughs) that comes to mind is. Um, so Phil, let's start with you. Uh, what's a book that's impacted your life? Um, so I read that question earlier and I, I, I would say books don't impact your life. People do, Ooh. but a book that's been meaningful in terms of my career is good to great is a good one. Um, and I've read tons of business books, but that's always one I kind of look back at. Okay. Well, that's such a deep way to start the I podcast. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to reframe my questions. <laughs> the pressure he puts. Can you, like, what do you mean by that? Because I've definitely said many times before that book has significantly impacted my life. Yeah. So generally speaking, you know, people come in your life and out of your life and they will provide mentorship and ideas and, um, you know, meaningfully impacted because they're there with you and can help you through a journey where a book might just change a perspective. So it, it can impact what, how you see things, but it doesn't actually impact your life. That cool. is you and the people around you who can materially change, you know, what you're doing. So cool. Okay. I'm going to have to like mull on that tonight. It's very, very interesting. Uh, what's a workout of choice that you're really into right now? I always like lifting heavy stuff off the floor. There's no uh, room for alternate thoughts when you have something heavy in your hands or on your back. All you'd have to do is just think about lifting that off the ground. And if you, there's like, it just is a perfect mind blanking moment. Hmm. And that's, that's great. CrossFit or something is or like more, more just powerlifting, just powerlifting. Like weightlifting type stuff. Yeah. Cool. What's your favorite way to wind down on a Friday night? Um, well, like wine, like going for walks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wine is always great. Uh, also just totally doing like mind numbing things like going to a movie or like those kind of stuff and just mm-hmm. hanging out with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, if you open your Spotify or Apple Music, what artist or playlist do you put on? I'm the worst because I just listen to like whatever the top 40 is. I don't actually care about the artist, just more like good music. Yeah, yeah. a pre-curated playlist yeah, totally. maybe. I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable? I definitely drink coffee every morning. <laughs> yeah. That's a non-negotiable. And I, th- I think we reconnect with each other every day too, which is another kind of non-negotiable. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, Ash, let's move to you. So do you have a philosophy or a life motto that you live by? Um, I think one that drives me is there's a saying, um, be fearless in pursuit of what sets your heart on fire. And that was one that 
definitely carried me through um, my work at Vega and then deciding to start the business. That was something I kind of kept going back to. So um, that's always been top of mind for me. Awesome. I love that. Uh, what's one job we'd be surprised to learn you had back in the day? Uh, I was a barista. My grandparents owned a coffee shop and so they gave me a job and I was terrible at it. I think they actually fired me. They just stopped giving me shifts, but, um, yeah, I can, I eventually learned how to make a latte. Cool. That's actually my dream job because I love coffee so much and the culture around coffee. And I just thought it would be such a nice way to spend time to learn a lot of the how-to behind yeah, it, how to right. roast my own beans and yeah, brew a latte. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> um, what do you eat for breakfast most days? I'm still pretty loyal to Vega. I yeah. actually have a shake every morning just yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, that's my go-to. I am too. I'm yeah. still a smoothie girl. I yeah. think I've been brainwashed. I yeah. <laughs> um, when you feel stressed or overtired, what do you do? <laughs> um, during the summer, it's running. Uh, it's not far, it's not long, but just that little bit of movement kind of helps clear my head. And then in the winter, if I can sleep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Um, and a book or a podcast you're loving right now? Uh, well, a book I just picked up is the originals by Adam Grant. Um, so that one I'm super curious about because it's just getting me to think about going out of my comfort zone and really pushing the boundaries. So I'm I still have to finish it, but that one's kind of piquing my interest right now. Cool. I'll link that in the show notes. I've never heard of it. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit. I'd love to chat about entrepreneurship Mm because you're both entrepreneurial and that's one of the focuses of this podcast. Mm -hmm. So maybe Ash, let's start with you. So you mentioned your grandparents were obviously entrepreneurs. Yeah. Did you grow up around entrepreneurship? Yeah. Other than my grandparents, they, they had their own businesses. They had a couple of different ones, but my parents always had very stable kind of nine to five jobs. And I've never, ever identified myself as an entrepreneur. And even still, I find it hard to kind of self-identify as that. Um, I completely thought that I would live in this traditional world of working for a big business and uh, putting my time in that way. So this is this is pretty new to me. Mm, yeah. Very cool. Um, it'll be fun to chat with you about it too yeah. as you're navigating. Yeah. I always get stumped too. Like what does entrepreneur even mean? Like can anyone yeah. call mm-hmm. themselves an entrepreneur? It seems like a, a loose term these totally. days. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That could be a discussion on its own. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we have shame around saying like I'm an entrepreneur. It's like well, I haven't really created anything yeah. massive <laughs> yet. <laughs> it can be minute right just applying value to something that didn't have the value before right it's kind of like a generally accepted rule of an entrepreneur is they create value where value didn't exist before and you know they get monetized for that Mm, I've never heard Mm. that before but you're right like however you can add value to something that's unique in your own way you've just created something new right um, and Phil, how about yourself? Did you go grow up around entrepreneurs or where did you get yeah. this bone in your body? So my grandfather had a construction company, so I was always around it um, growing up. Uh, my parents were teachers, so it wasn't necessarily inside of my, you know, my family nucleus there. Um, but I always wanted to have my own business. That was something from a very young age and it, that started with like paper routes and, you know, literally my brother and I would sprint from house to house after school so we could come get back and like wash transformers <laughs> you know so it was it was always something that was a drive was mm-hmm. just achieving and succeeding 
Hmm, cool. And so we're going to chat about your current venture towards the end of the episode, but have either of you identified as an entrepreneur before starting Based? Yeah, I definitely have. Okay. So my experience at Vega, you know, being the first employee right. or small organization at that point, it was much like an entrepreneurial environment, you know, yeah. even though I didn't start it, um, but opened up a lot of the U.S. accounts and, you know, the U.S. business. So it was a lot of just, you had to have that entrepreneurial mindship to be successful okay. because you're creating often new pathways or new business or new processes that didn't exist before inside of an organization or new ideas or new products or, you know, whatever. Just kind of, you just had to have that mindset in the early days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's stay there for a second. So we keep bringing up Vega. Um, yeah. That's a really large plant-based nutritional company for many of the listeners who may not, but I'm sure most people by now who live in North America have. So both of you played a pretty large part in the sales and marketing departments there. And so first of all, how long did you each work there? So I was there 10 years. 10 years. First employee from, you know, the company was under 3 million to after acquisition and beyond for about eight months after that, holding various roles throughout Mm -hmm. the organization. But um, that's where, you know, and I left a big company doing a pretty big role, took a pay cut to go to Vega for the chance to work with Charles, who was a great entrepreneur, knowing that I, at some point I wanted to, you know, start my own company. That was always the open conversation I had with him when mm-hmm. I came. So you knew, you kind of had this feeling that Vega was going big. Like you could see that light at the end of the tunnel. You, or you, you kind of knew. Like I, I was probably one of the first real people who just loved the product, oh. um, you know, back in the day. And, you know, from the, I, I saw it from the very start mm-hmm. and, you know, cause I worked for the company that distributed it mm-hmm. and, you know, got the opportunity to sell it and talk to people about it. So it was something I was passionate about personally and I wanted to take passion into performance, not just have a side hustle kind of thing. Like I wanted to make it what I did, mm-hmm. what I loved, what I did. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's really what entrepreneurs do too. And it was something that, you know, it was an open dialogue I had with Charles that I want to come here I want to learn everything I can so at some point I want to start my own company Mm -hmm. and it was a great experience to do it you know I we made a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. and you know but at the end of the day we did a lot of things right too Mm-hmm. And can I just ask you, did you like put yourself out there and ask for the job or did the job with Vega approach you? It came to me. Okay. Yeah. I was already looking for roles and I was interviewing with, you know, Pfizer and, you know, big companies at that point. Um, but you know, I got approached. So I, my brother, Matt talked to me about it and then Charles and I chatted and it was kind of like a natural fit at that point. Cool. Mm-hmm. And Ash, how long were you there and what was your role with the company? Yeah, so I was there for just under four years and I joined when the company was around, I think it was around 50 million and then stayed through past acquisition for about a year. So when I joined, I joined um, to kind of develop the trade marketing team. So I was the director of trade marketing and then my final role there um, over the years was a senior director of marketing. So I was really lucky in that I got to be, do a little bit of the sales world, but then also some of the marketing world with that. Um, and I mean, it, Vega was completely the job that changed my life. Like I say a job, it was a lifestyle more than anything for mm-hmm. anybody that worked there, but it completely transformed everything that I thought about business and 
probably thought about myself and what I could do and what I was capable of. So it was an incredible experience, even if it was just only four years. Mm -hmm. So in comparison to a job that you had before Vega, what, what transformed? Like what was so visionary about Vega? What was that lifestyle that made you realize it wasn't just a normal job yeah like I think there was a couple of different things for me one of the things that was so unique was um the culture more than anything and I mean that's what people I think probably continue to go to when they talk about Vega but I, I really truly think it was something special I think that um I learned how to really be part of a team where we actually like truthfully were each other's champions and biggest allies and um, we all wanted each other to succeed no matter um, kind of what position we were in. So I think that was really unique. Um, I also think it was the first place that I had ever worked where it was actually okay to fail. And it was almost encouraged because the learning that you got from failure was so much greater than the learning that you would get from just having those couple small wins. And so that kind of, I think, gave me the confidence to go and try other things that I never would have even thought possible before because I was afraid or just didn't think it would be something that would be accepted. And the company almost encouraged it um, sometimes, sometimes to a fault, but sometimes to an amazing benefit with yeah. it. It's so true. Like yeah. that's when you really learn the most Completely. is when you try something yeah. and if it doesn't work, like yeah. that's okay. You're yeah. in a better spot now. Yeah. Um, from your perspective then, do you think it's really important now as you're both entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to work for another company and learn the ropes and see how an organization works together in order to have a successful mm-hmm. entrepreneurial venture? So from my perspective, I needed that experience because I, like I said before, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur and so I needed to have exposure to how other people approach business, how they approach challenges, um, the passion and the drive. Uh, I had worked in very traditional environments before. I worked for government agencies, billion dollar corporations, which were a bit more rigid. There was amazing things about them, but they're a bit more rigid. And I needed personally just to see what, um, what drove people every day when you were super passionate about that. So for me, I think it was critical to taking this next step. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. You know, some of the biggest, best organizations were from people starting it right out of university mm-hmm. or in university. You think about mm-hmm. Facebook and Google and Microsoft and all mm-hmm. those kind of things. They're started by people who had a real idea. The difference yeah. between working at a large organization like what we did was it gives you the confidence of, okay, what steps should I take kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It just allows you to make maybe fewer mistakes, but you're still going to make a lot of mistakes when you're an entrepreneur. You know, Mm -hmm. we're learning something every day because, you know, even though we've kind of done stuff before, you forget some stuff about it. But if you surround yourself with people that are are complimentary and are willing to take on mentors and ask questions, Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the key to success is not thinking you know anything and asking questions mm-hmm. you know if you are don't have the confidence to just go out there and do it or, or at least like maybe the, not the right word but gusto to do it mm-hmm. you better go work at another organization and build your confidence up yeah if you have the confidence that what you're going to do is going to be meaningful then make sure you surround yourself with people that are you know different have different ideas are willing to challenge and you feel comfortable 
talking to them about your challenges that you're facing. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, either path will, will help you be successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really unique perspective. So kind of on that topic, then do you think that post-secondary education is kind of important still in today's self-taught era? Like we can learn anything we want. And like you mm-hmm. said, you can, you can find mentors all around the world Absolutely. through our online platforms. Yeah. So yeah. where do you both stand on, do I go to school and learn about business yeah. or do I find a mentor, immerse myself in books, podcasts, successful visionary stories? Mm-hmm. And is yeah. there one correct approach? I know a lot of people are debating that as they have kids yeah. going off to school and spending a lot of money or even themselves mm-hmm. finding themselves at 40 out of a job thinking, I should go back to school. Yeah. yeah. What do you think on that topic? This is just kind of, yeah, yeah. whatever comes to mind. I think it's a really good question. I think it's super relevant right now, like you said. Um, So I believe in education. I really do. I think that there's some good foundational things that you can learn. However, I don't believe that you have to have a university education or like any form of post-secondary to be successful. I think it is completely about kind of tapping into those other avenues like you just outlined um, to set yourself up. so I like I never I never hired somebody just because they had a master's degree. That was like great, good check mark, but I kind of felt there was more value from just life experience and putting yourself into the role and learning as you go. That was so I'm I'm really open to yeah I, I think yeah. uh, a number of different pathways. Um, I might be more a little bit old more old school, but it depends on what you want to do at the end of the day. If you mm-hmm. want to be an entrepreneur the educational process systemizes how to learn. Right. And that's mm-hmm. a really good thing. Like school doesn't actually teach you anything except for how to learn. And that's a real important skill. Mm-hmm. And if someone hasn't got that skill about how to learn or a way to, you know, show people that they know how to learn, you know, not everybody's really good at self-directed learning. So in a university environment or college environment or whatever that is, you get resources tools, um, ideas on how to expand your mind. And if you can do that on your own, great. Don't worry about school. However, not everybody's a successful entrepreneur. At some point you may need to work at craft Mm -hmm. and you better have an education to go do that. So you're kind of hedging all your bets together that you can still work on your entrepreneurial idea while you're learning, but you've got a little bit of a piece of paper that says, Hey, I still know how to learn. Yeah, I think uh, it really is about knowing yourself and like how do yeah. I best learn and yeah. if you're self-motivated enough to self-teach and yeah. enroll in courses online and do the dirty work yourself, I think go for it. But yeah. a lot of us maybe don't have that and so you feel kind of like yeah. you do need to put yourself in the structured system, which is great. Right. The structured system has been beneficial for so many people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even that, though, even it fails a lot of people too. You know, you've got to figure out what works for you. How do I learn best? And all the university does is create a framework for how to learn, like we said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's move into a couple of quick fire questions about entrepreneurship. So, sure. what's the best part about owning your own business? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I think it's the ability to create at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the best things. And then the flexibility of when you create, you know, you're not stuck to nine to five. You're not in most jobs that maybe now are nine to five anyway, but you can just do what, 
you can work on whatever you want at any point in time. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yourself. Yeah, I agree. Just, just that flexibility that comes with the creation. I think one thing too, for me, it's so, I'm amazed at how much, um, almost fulfillment I get from being able to work on something that I'm so passionate about with a great partner and, um, to know that every single thing we do can have a positive or negative impact. And of course you can have that in another company where you work for mm-hmm. someone else, but I find a different level of, of actual ownership of different pride of, of, like I said, fulfillment that comes from owning your own company. Yeah. The, the absolute best thing though, like in my mind is we do something that we think is going to work mm-hmm. and then we get feedback from the consumer right. about it. Yeah. And that is the best. Like you get to create and then put it out there for brutal opinions. Yeah. Like you have no <laughs> control over how people feel about your products, how people feel about you, what your message is, all that kind of stuff. And then we get this really good reviews back mm-hmm. and that just kind of even motivates you even more to keep mm-hmm. going and, and go harder and faster and to keep doing things. And we're, we both are so focused on the consumer, the mm-hmm. person who's using the products mm-hmm. and to see them interact and give us feedback is like, mm-hmm. that's the best. That's yeah. Like, even just through sifting through your website and social, I can sure. tell you're not talking at consumers. Like right. you're really speaking their language with them and yeah. you're in conversation. Yeah. It's not like, here's what you need to know and right. here's what we're saying to yeah. you. It's like, no, we're listening. Like we're really like yeah. trying to build an open communication line. Yeah. Let us know and yeah. we will continue to improve with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've had consumers cool. not love everything we've done and totally. they reach out and talk to us and we have, you know, you get the ability to shift and yeah. you can make some changes. You can, you can do things that you can't do if you're at a large, large organization. Mm-hmm. You know, it's awesome. The interaction feedback like we answer the questions we don't yeah. outsource the yeah. social media responses we don't outsource the emails we need to be connected to the consumer mm-hmm. yeah you're on the ground running with everyone yeah. which is great and we can feel that through the energy of your business yeah um so kind of speaking to the fact that you guys both came from nine to five jobs do you still work within that structure or have you found a different flow like working early mornings and late nights and weekends Mm -hmm. versus nine to five? Or do you have any like structure? So I don't think I ever worked nine to five in my life. As a a point, I always worked like an entrepreneur. And to me, that means like you do the work when it needs to get done. That's the most important thing. And yeah, sometimes at one o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to say, I don't have anything pressing right now. I'm just Mm going to take off for an hour or two. But you're always coming back to it. You're always on. Um, We generally work the typical flow like we're both early morning people like Mm -hmm. to work in the morning most people aren't up and then our manufacturers and a lot of our suppliers are out west so it gives us an extended day so we get an extra three hours of time when the east coast is done where we can communicate with our west coast suppliers but i don't know it's kind of one of those things where you work as needed yeah and Mm -hmm. if only if but the reality is you don't just do what's needed you do what's required and beyond because if you all you did was what was needed mm-hmm. you would never grow you always have to put that little extra mm-hmm. sprinkle on top and do you find that there's been like natural seasons of your business where like you might be in a launch or something's really pressing and then it, it flows into more of relax or consistencies how do you guys it's probably a little hard to tell it just it feels busy all the time right now yeah. christmas 
was rocked busy. us. That we were we were so grateful for it, but that yeah. completely blew us away. All we could do was pack orders, yeah. and it was pitiful. Like we could not answer emails yeah. to save our life. Like no matter what we tried, so that was a good learning, I think, for this coming season. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just always busy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, and you need to have those moments yeah. where you go. We really suck right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you when you suck at something that you're yeah. typically good at, you know, then you need to bring in help. Totally. <laughs> and you have to yeah. kind of reevaluate what you're doing. And it's, you know, like like Ash said last Christmas, that's all we could do. Yeah. Was just pack orders, which we're super grateful for, but it really exposed a lot of gaps in yes. what we were doing yes. and how unscalable what we were doing was <laughs> and, and, yeah. you know that's you need that yeah. and that's the difference between success and failure is knowing when to pivot mm-hmm. and grow and to give up certain things that you you think are important mm-hmm. but are they really providing value to the business that only you can provide mm-hmm and um, is this headquarters right here? Is this where it we're packing? Is, yeah. And it was a recent change. So yeah. we, we had an office that we okay. were working at. And we actually felt like it was not as productive. Yeah. Simply because now it's here yeah. where we live. Yeah. And we are able to work at any time. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And we're still packing orders for consumers ourselves because we do want to have that Personal, you know, touch. personal touch and that, yeah. that emotional connection with them but we are able to really put in an extra time even more because that office was a little harder to to just stay long at mm-hmm. yeah yeah this allows us to always be on which yeah. is a good thing for the two of us definitely yeah, yeah. most great businesses started yeah. in the garage yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had to do that um okay before we shift to chatting about based your yeah. baby I just want to know, is there a tool or a ritual or an object that you couldn't live without in respect to running a business? <laughs> I, I think for us, it's social media, which ah. I never thought I would say. <laughs> um, but I think it is because it allows us to actually connect with the consumers, like Phil was saying, and yeah. have real conversations and get that feedback and understand what's working and what's not. And I'm shocked at how much I depend on it just to get that pulse check as yeah. to what's going on. So we we live on it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of our core beliefs about transparency. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not available, you're not transparent. So we are always available for communication. You know, people Facebook messenger us, they message us on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and we always respond. Yeah. And we always answer the questions. And not every conversation is one that's appropriate to have on social media so we'll bring them to our email um, but we absolutely answer every single thing every time mm-hmm. and try to make sure that we're available you know it's a lot of work but it is it's yeah. needed do you feel the need to maybe one day establish boundaries around that so that you're not always connected and working like I know you're in the early phases yeah. and and when you love your work, it's yeah. so easy to be on all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, is that slowly killing me? That I'm always working, <laughs> yeah. I'm always connected, yeah. I'm always responding. Do you so, need boundaries? No. <laughs> I, I don't think, but, I don't think yeah. you do because yeah. Yeah. you're one person. At the end of the day, you don't go to work and go, well, now I'm a CEO or now I'm an entrepreneur and then mm-hmm. at home I'm a dad. You're a dad at work and you're an entrepreneur at home too. So yeah. you're always on, right? And at the end of the day, it's 
you got to just make time for what's important mm -hmm. and you've got to have things that are important to you that aren't just work like running or family or whatever that is for you and when you do that you develop you know it's like cross training for something the more you cross train the better you are at the one thing you want to be really good at if mm -hmm. all you did was work all the time you would be really shitty at that job so mm -hmm. you're better off having moments of like mental break physical breaks or whatever that is spiritual if that's what you're into and doing that and but you don't have to do them nine to five you do them when you need them mm -hmm. and that's the most important thing and that's really one of the benefits of running your own business and being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. is when you need that moment of whatever reflection you go take it you don't have to answer to mm -hmm. the higher power of you know your boss you are the boss mm -hmm. yeah it's a great feeling Okay, I'd love to transition into BASED now because, gosh, there's so much I'm sure we could talk about and dig into here. So let's go back to the ideation of this yep. brand and this product. So knowing that, you know, Phil, you said you, you wanted to be an entrepreneur and you kind of knew that that yeah. was your path. Mm -hmm. Did you know it was going to be plant-based body care? No. No. <laughs> no. So take us back to where did this idea come yeah. from and was it one of you suggesting to the other or did this just like, you know, yeah. come in a dream one night? Um, yeah, I was really drunk. And <laughs> no. That'd be a good story. You, you, have, to, you have to be drunk to do it. Yep. Um, so it actually started with after leaving Vega, knowing that I wanted to work with somebody that I really enjoyed working with, Ashley, mm -hmm. and also I wanted to do something that represented from a brand standpoint, and it started with the brand, not mm -hmm. the products. And that's maybe slightly different than how people approach businesses. They say, oh, I've got a great product and I'm going to make it a business. We were like, we have an idea for a great brand. Yeah. And the brand was based, and that was something that... I uh, came up with because everybody was talking about plant-based and I yeah. totally believe in the lifestyle and you know maybe don't practice it perfectly yeah. um, but believe in it it's the future of what needs to occur for you know society and the environment and everybody's just using plant-based plant-based this ethically based this and I was just like just be based mm -hmm. and be done with it and mm -hmm. then we just came up with that name based um, and it just has a happy coincidence of really on Urban Dictionary kind of meaning a lot of the way I am a lot of the way Ashley is is you just do what you want without worrying about what other people think about that mm -hmm. you know if it's the right thing to do go do it don't worry about what other people think if you want to wear clothes that look you think other people might make fun of you about but you love it go do wear those clothes like mm -hmm. be who you are and don't worry about what other people think that's being based yeah and you know from there developing the brand and things that we just love to do like we love you know, our vision is empower the individual. And that's something that we are all about from a consumer standpoint. And we're going to take that and run it into a corporate standpoint. We're not going to worry about the employee. We're going to worry about you as a person. We're not going to worry about our consumer. We're going to worry about them as a person. How do we meet your needs? How do we make you thrive a little bit more in the space that you exist in? And that's our goal. Mm -hmm. We know, you know, especially from an employee standpoint, this isn't their last job. If it is, that's really probably sad. <laughs> it's not going to be our last job. No. So, you know, how does this lily pad get them to that next lily pad to be better than they were? And that's mm -hmm. how we approach it. And that's how we're always going to approach it. Mm -hmm. So when we started look, looking at the core of the brand, body care is actually Ash's idea. It was her thing. It was something she was passionate about. And, you know, when you started looking at 
the consumers segment. Um, you know, you go to a grocery store, they have an entire aisle for pet, they have an entire aisle for cleaning, and they have an entire aisle for personal care. It's the only place in the store they have an entire aisle dedicated to one thing. Mm-hmm. So it makes you think, this is a really big category. Pet has had lots of disruption. Mm-hmm. A lot of brands have come in and disrupted pet. You think of Blue Buffalo as mm-hmm. an example. Method came in and disrupted cleaning. And you look at the body care aisle, it's three companies, and no one's really been able to penetrate it and make a meaningful difference to the consumer. And we thought, we could do that. And it's a little bombastic, mm-hmm. but we thought we could do it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here. And what needs to be disrupted in the body care aisle? Is it the quality, the transparency, it's, it's everything? everything. Yeah. It's, it's everything. Like, I think the transparency from an ingredient standpoint about what all companies are choosing to kind of put in their products right now, it's pretty scary, actually, when you really start to dig into it. There's even some brands that are kind of in the same category aren't... Um, probably as green as they should be and it's it's a journey everybody can always do better so it's, it's not I, I'm sounding pretty harsh on them but I think everybody can just start to um, be a little bit more conscious about that I think the accessibility is really really important to us and that's something that we kind of have as a theme throughout so accessibility in terms of where it's available accessibility in terms of price point so sometimes when you go into natural care products they're very very expensive it's a very premium product and so i've always um kind of taken issue with that that just because you are part of a certain income bracket you're only allowed to kind of have these better options that just didn't feel right so that was something as well and then accessibility to the business too so can you talk to a real person can you connect with that brand does it inspire you so I think when we looked at the body care space, we just thought yeah. everything needs some tweaking here. There's mm-hmm. an opportunity right now. Yeah, you have, you have yeah. The, the big guys, you know, like Procter & Gamble, Johnson Johnson, and Unilever essentially own an mm-hmm. aisle. And yeah. there hasn't been meaningful innovation in a long time. And then you have all the natural brands that are just, they're natural brands and they don't really, in our persper- from our perspective, they're probably going to listen to this and, mm-hmm. you know, put me on a, on a pitchfork, but... Um, they're not connecting with the consumer in the same way. So we thought there's an opportunity to really connect with a consumer mm-hmm. in a message that they care about, about empowerment and respect and mm-hmm. equality, and then deliver on a product standpoint yeah. that performs as good or better than what they find in, in a high-end department store and smell as good or better than what they find in a, in a department store, yeah. but they're not skimp on the ethics. So we like to mm-hmm. say like based is where from a product standpoint, aesthetics and ethics could collide. You yeah. get the best of both worlds in that time period. On top of that, we deliver it in a way that's accessible, it's affordable. You know, $15.99 for a body wash that lasts you a month, like that's mm-hmm. really accessible. We literally had a retailer say to us, I yeah. can't carry you even though I use your products because you'll ruin my business. Yeah. You're too affordable. We've had a couple We've had, tell yeah. us that, yeah. And which is great because yeah. that, we don't care about the retailer necessarily, it's the consumer. Yeah. We're gonna do something meaningful to the consumer and that's what we care about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm really excited to hear all about this because I've been struggling as a consumer and watching other consumer patterns. Like we have a huge drugstore chain here in Canada called yeah. Shoppers Drug yeah. Mart. And for the last five years, I've been waiting for them to introduce something natural yeah. in the body care aisle. And I just, 
am confused at why such a large billion dollar chain has yet to provide options that are, yeah, natural and yeah. more yeah. Um, just transparent ingredients and companies. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, do you know what's going on there? Is it that there's a lack of education and consumers are not yet aware of the toxins and the chemicals that are in these traditional yeah. brands that you mentioned, or is there truly still a low need for this type of product? Why is our largest drugstore chain not yet offering the average person the chance yeah. right. to shift their spending patterns to a company like right. yours? Yeah. Or yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both sides of the table bear responsibility yeah. in that, where Shoppers Drug Mart is you know, a really great brand to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a desire to deliver to the to to their customers something that's more natural and clean. I don't think that that's like their mission to say, no, no, we're only going to have dirty stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they would like to do that. Yeah. Then on the other side of the table, you have the brands who are either not scalable because mm-hmm. they have 1,200 doors and that's a hard thing to do from a business. So the small guys probably can't scale up and ramp up afford to do shoppers drug mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. And then you have other brands that are natural that could afford to do it that don't connect with the consumer in the same way. And I'm not going to name the brands, but there's a bunch of them that are just, all they do is try to out-natural each other and they mm-hmm. don't really look at the consumer. So, you know, we hope anyway that we could deliver a product that would appeal to that consumer base uh, at a price point that's accessible. You know, and that's part of the problem too is there is kind of like a price limit for yeah. body lotion, mm-hmm. it can't be 50 bucks for a bottle of body lotion. You know, you've got to be, you know, Dove is like 20 bucks, 15 bucks. The, the gap between that and some of the natural brands is way too large. The Delta is too big for a consumer to make that change. And mm-hmm. they may not feel like it's meaningful enough yet. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, we, we kind of view, you know, I've been in the industry for 15 years now. I look at natural body care as like health food 15, 20 years ago. And there's an opportunity for some players to come in and do, like, act like the leader mm-hmm. and do something different. Yeah. And you guys are doing a really good job at, you know, through your message, educating the consumer yeah. on exactly what's in your products and why they might want to shift. Yeah. So, with Based, how are you ensuring that the consumer is educated on the product? Is it through social media? Is it through face to face, one on one connections? Yeah, so it's a bit of a combination. Like we we try to do our best to um, call out kind of what we call feature ingredients, or just like really talk about the heroes and the benefits of them. Um, some of it is about the consumer doing a little bit um, further digging on their end. So on our website, we list every single ingredient. We tell you the purpose of them. We even have a section called things that sound scary that aren't because sometimes. Uh, the Latin names of some of the ingredients sound terrifying and you're just like, this must be a chemical, but it's actually derived from a flower or a plant. So we do what we can from that perspective, but then also working with retailers and partners and influencers just to help with that education and the approachability of the brand, I think is really important for us. So it's it's about a community kind of helping each other out. It can't just be us on social media yeah. saying this works or this doesn't. I think part of it though is, and it might sound repetitive here, is we're not really trying to hammer home the toxicity message to consumers. Right. It's kind of like a happy second 
really. You know, we're trying to deliver home like the equality message, the transparency message, that you can be you're good enough for as who you are message. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. Is like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's our message. It's like a happy little secondary thing that we happen to be really clean. Mm-hmm. You know, we smell great. The product works as you'd expect it to work. Mm-hmm. That's where we're trying to win on. And the clean message is kind of like, oh, and by the way, mm-hmm. we happen to be better than any product that's out there, just so you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. a bonus. It's like a yeah. bonus, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. It's definitely a unique way to approach yeah. launching a business. Yeah. Start with the brand and the community yeah. and... Yeah, of course, with the clean product, people are going to love you even more. Right. Yeah. I do think, I just will say as a side note, I do think it is important, though, that um, as we try to bring more people over to this general category, not just to base, but to your category, Mm -hmm. that we feel really comfortable having the conversation about what is in the products and that we feel really comfortable and confident with finding a trusted resource. So um, a place like Shoppers Drug Mart, I mean, they are a trusted brand. And so a lot of people will look to them to kind of bring in really quality products and to do their due diligence. And there's a lot of other amazing companies that offer that kind of same confidence. So one that we've partnered with that I think has been tremendous in helping with that education has been Think Dirty. So they're this amazing Toronto-based company where they've developed an app to basically help the consumer understand the toxicity levels of a product just by scanning a barcode on their phone. Mm -hmm. And for me, that has helped me personally um, really understand the space a lot better and to be able to kind of look at key ingredients and to maybe ask questions that I wouldn't have before and expand my own understanding, which has then made me want to learn more about other brands and... Um, just approach, I think, body care in the industry in a different way that I never thought I could before. And I think other consumers find the same avenue. Yeah. 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 I used to, when I worked as a nutritionist, I always referenced, referenced the Think Dirty app. So can I scan your products on there and learn about them? Yeah. Awesome. Such a great way to just like give yourself that little bit of awareness of what you are actually using in your home. Yeah. Such an accessible scale they use and it's simple to understand. Totally. And when we did it, like we submitted our products for a review. Yeah. You don't know what it's going to be. It was really a, you know. It was terrifying. Terrifying. (laughs) It was terrifying. Because you think you're doing the right thing. But you have an independent third party company reviewing it and you can't take it back yeah you know like once you it's submit up there. for review <laughs> yeah. it's up permanently yeah. and we were fortunate enough to get a perfect zero um which was great but we still think we can improve on mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of things without skipping on performance like yeah that's the number absolutely one. product mm-hmm. has to work yeah i'll definitely link that app in the show notes as well so that the listeners yeah. can check it cool. out um, so speaking of things that could have maybe yeah. gone wrong, have you run into any major roadblocks through this process of launching base that could have or almost derailed your vision without shedding tears here? Yeah. yeah. Um, I did cry once. <laughs> Just once? Yeah, I did cry once, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. There's so many things that can derail you as an organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like one is financial. You can mm-hmm. have a lot of like financial ruin when you're starting your own company because you have to take risks in doing it and you only invest the dollars if you really believe in it. And if you're not willing to invest the dollars, question why aren't don't you believe in it? And, you know, it's a sacrifice every day in terms of when you're doing that. But I, I would say like the 
the scary moments are, you know, when you first, our first sale, you know, we were very purposeful of going to retailers that didn't have any experience with us Mm -hmm. from our time at Vega and getting like honest feedback. Mm -hmm. And we got told it's really a crowded space. You know, it's 2017. What are you? This is like, yeah, why don't launch. Why are you do guys doing kind of this? Yeah. You're yeah. kind of like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Yeah. And we just still believed in it. So we yeah. pushed forward. But you invest tens of thousands of dollars in inventory. And then you go, and the next thing you know, you're like mm-hmm. investing more in inventory and then more yeah. in inventory and more and more and more. And now we're hiring somebody. So you kind of like have another moment of like scariness mm-hmm. of like, yeah. oh crap, we got to bring somebody in and grow. Yeah. which is great. So we never wavered on our vision. Like I don't think there was anything that ever shook us no. to say that our vision wasn't something that we needed to to reevaluate. So I think that part was really positive, but yeah. there was absolutely moments as we were kind of working on the brand or developing stuff that were really like Phil said, like scary or that made yeah. me cry. I mean, literally when we were printing our first round of labels, um, oh, took the product into the shower and all the ink ran, ran off, off of the, the label. label and it was the biggest moment of panic and yeah. I kind of froze for a second and then we kind of got ourselves together and I was like okay and fixed it but yeah. in that moment like I literally saw our dream going down the drain so literally. that was literally. yeah literally <laughs> so that like I, I couldn't even I couldn't do, do anything to save it so there's it. been there's been um, hiccups like that in every every step that we've done (laughs) but the the vision fortunately has kind of kept both of us aligned to keep persisting keep moving forward and then we'll figure it out and there's been like i got a holy shit moments kind of thing where you know we almost ran out of stock like we were out of stock yeah on certain things and then our order our our order came in the next day mm-hmm. and we were like oh thank god yeah and you see you know people going oh we sold so fast we came out of stock and i look at that those kind of moments where you see them on social media we're like the sweater that sells so fast you can't <laughs> keep it in stock it's like no you had really shitty planning yeah, yeah. Like, you are yeah. really bad at planning how much money did you lose because yeah. of that yeah you know we want to be able to deliver to the customer the product when they want yeah. it mm-hmm. and not have to wait for it like that's one of our things and yeah that was pretty yeah. Like every day you look at the inventory and your heart is like, <gasps> yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you guys persevered through all those obstacles. <laughs> and you're right. It just Thanks, it yeah. continues to yeah. Yeah, yeah. keep you moving forward and learning. And Phil, you mentioned something that someone said, like, it's 2017. What are you doing launching? Yeah, yeah. So this kind of makes me think of the idea of saturation. Yeah. And um, it's actually something that I struggled with in launching a podcast because. I kept thinking every year or every month, yeah. oh, I should have got in it four years ago. Yeah. It's not my time. I'm too yeah. late to the game. And I kept having this word saturation pop up. And I'm like, the market's yeah. saturated. There's no room for my podcast. Yeah. Um, do you believe in saturation? Yeah. Everything's saturated. Or because you said like when you put your unique yeah. spin on something, totally. like you could have that next best thing. So. Yeah. What do you think of the idea of when someone tells you that category is saturated? Should that send you on a different path? Or if your vision and why is strong enough, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's keep a, moving forward? You, you, you got to keep moving forward if you believe in it, right? That's the idea. If, if you, It can be a real reason why you stop, and that just tells you your vision isn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. So it's 2018 now, and everything is saturated. Literally, everything is saturated unless you're making... You know, 
flying cars, automated vehicles, artificial intelligence, like those are the unique things that aren't saturated anymore, right? Even space travel is starting to get saturated with all these companies starting to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's very few things that are saturated. However, there's lots of opportunity to do something that could be slightly better to the consumer. And, it, you know, Brendan Brazier, in his infinite wisdom, mm -hmm. he's like, if all people wanted was, the people didn't know they wanted a car. If Henry Ford delivered to the consumer what they wanted, he would have made a faster horse. So, you know, you can deliver something to the consumer that's slightly different in the same general category. Transportation is saturated, but if it's slightly different, you might win there. You know, yeah. we're trying to do it differently in terms of what the brand means, how the products perform, how the products smell. That's what we're trying to do slightly different. Mm -hmm. Body care is super saturated. However, there's a gap in this one small spot. Mm. Awesome. Um, okay, so let's kind of wrap it up here. Can you just outline for us, like, what can I buy from Based? What are the products that are currently available? So we like to stick to the neck down body. And the reason why we want to stick to body care is it's not, it's a category that you can make a change in without mm -hmm. changing your outward expression to the world. You know, mm -hmm. people are very set on their mascara, their eye makeup and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's something they do. It's, it's part of their character. Body's not. Mm -hmm. So there's an opportunity to make a change as a consumer that doesn't cost a lot, but can actually meaningfully change like toxic load, yeah. the brand you're using, what the brand represents. That's how really simple. How you feel about it. Do you care if you use Avino or Johnson Johnson or Dove? The answer is no, you don't care. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance to make a switch that's meaningful to you and the environment that makes you feel good, makes you smell good. Um, and we have a body scrub, a coffee body scrub, mm -hmm. and everything we do right now has a little bit of caffeine in it. And the yeah. benefit of caffeine is it draws blood flow to the area you use it, mm -hmm. which is great for a lot of skin conditions like acne, cellulite, stretch marks, and that kind of stuff. So the coffee body scrub, and the first time we use it, it's like, you go, oh my God, I did not be so soft. It's kind of the, the response that we get often. And then a body wash yeah. um, that is aloe vera juice based and it just leaves you silky smooth and mm. doesn't leave any buildup on you. And then a body lotion that smells great, has five organic plant oils in it that just performs beautifully. It leaves you a little shimmery, a little brightness as they mm. like to call it, absorbs beautifully, not greasy and just a slight scent that makes you feel great about it. Awesome. Yeah. So men can use these products too, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Okay, good. yeah. Men are kind of the most, like, they kind of hack the products a little bit. You know, they use the scrub on their head because they shave yeah. their heads. They use the body wash as like a shampoo. Yeah. They actually and, have brilliant innovation with yeah. it that I don't think women always think about. But like guys push the boundaries yeah. of yeah. like what they can do with their products. Laziness is the mother of all innovation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, they just want it simple. So they yeah. just use whatever they have. Yeah. yeah. They get creative. They, they do. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> is there any new products coming down the pipeline or yeah. potential yeah. expansion? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So we've got we've got a new scent that we're going to be coming out with pretty soon, um, which I'm really excited about because it's my favorite one. Yeah. Um, do we want to share with sure. it? Yeah. So it's a sandalwood scent uh, yeah. with a hint of bergamot in it, which is just really warm and just very sexy and sophisticated to me. Um, but we have a lot of ideas. Like yeah. we probably have about two to three years worth of innovation mm. that we would like to do, but we're also really trying to keep the lineup pretty tight so yeah. that we don't have 
too much of an overwhelming um, choice for the consumer and we just keep it very very clean um, with what we're offering so you want to be known for something yeah like you don't want to deviate too far from your wheelhouse before you go you know expand everywhere like yeah vega at the end of the day was a protein powder yeah forever Mm -hmm. and then we made a bar you know like which was a protein based bar Mm -hmm. so it's it's really important to you know your lane own it be the best before you start diverting into things that maybe the brand or the products don't have permission to do quite yet Mm -hmm. yeah build the foundation really strong yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah and uh final question where are these products available how can we get our hands on them so we we have our website basebodycare.com and we are absolutely just like ourselves in making the website we don't have any minimum we never charge shipping yeah it's because we hate that as consumers <laughs> it, it's hard on us as, as you know entrepreneurs but at the end of the day it's best for the consumer that's why we do it yeah. so and we have anywhere in us and canada yeah, free, shipping, free shipping no minimums so that's the best place to go yeah and we have you know new retail part new retail partners is here in kitchen waterloo if you're in the area there's um fiddleheads truth beauty company we're going to be on ball.ca very soon we in the u.s we have a, a retailer named credo which has been amazing they've mm-hmm. got 10 stores plus a great online presence mm-hmm. and we're expanding every day by yeah. the save.ca is another one that we use um and we're expanding really aggressively at this point so awesome yeah well i'm super excited for you both and Thank for you. the growth of the company i think it's extremely visionary what you're doing and I just can't wait to see how this message amplifies and is able to affect the health and yeah, just the entrepreneurial mindset of people who are looking to either create a product or a brand or bring their vision to life. So thank you for being on the podcast. And if people want to find out more about BASED, where can they go? BASEDbodycare.com. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Kelsey. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. So thanks so much for tuning in. I really look forward to spreading this visionary message on a larger scale as the podcast continues to grow. And as always, rate and review, and I will talk to you very soon.